Welcome back to Business Intelligence. My name is Wei Chun Wan. I am here with my project manager, Rohan Vanneker. Uh, it's been a while that it has been a while since we last. <laughs> yeah, this, we've right? been we've been very busy. Yeah, the business has been through the roof. Yeah, <laughs> and we have all these customers from all these different industries coming to us, asking us for help in automation work. Digital transformation, integration,、uh, right. as well as a lot of content、uh, generation stuff, and you know I'm I'm very thankful, right? So people validate our skill sets and expertise, and they want to utilize、right. um, our service. But you know I think this is consistent with what we have observed in the marketplace.、Mm-hmm. The economy has been booming. Oh yeah, right.、Mm-hmm. So. Um, and and you see, you know, I thought maybe after the、uh, the fourth quarter of 2021, things will slow down a little bit.、Mm-hmm. But because of the supply chain challenge and because of the demand is still very strong, yeah, you see there is a lot going on in the economy. Now it it doesn't come just very smoothly. It it has coupled with the economy has coupled with. Lot of speculation and potential fluctuations down the horizon, and you see,、um, you know, people have been worried about particularly the inflation and, you know, the world economy and the supply challenge, supply chain challenges, you know,、uh, you know, being a, a continual event.、Um, and the reason why we decided to record this episode was because we had a conversation the other day that Rohan, you told me that you had. You know some interesting questions that you want to ask. I said, don't, don't, don't ask me just now. Why, why don't we just,、uh, you know, put together an episode and for you to ask those questions? So,、right. so you know, quite honestly, I don't even know what questions that you're <laughs> going to ask me. But、uh, you know, as an economist, I, I hope that I could provide some insight in not only answering your questions but also sharing my observations and more information with the, the broader public, so that you have a better understanding of where the, the economy is going. Sure. Yeah, and、uh, you're definitely right with with the questions I have. It's I wanted to kind of bring it down to like the everyday life, you know, things that affect us.、Um, and the the biggest question I had for you was I noticed that a lot of people are complaining about high gas prices. Right. You know, like. Right. And my kind of question would be like, like I know inflation. Has been a, a topic of conversation,、uh, and it's it's been it's been prevalent in the current economy right now. What is your kind of like take on that? Like, what do you what do you think about the gas prices right now, and where do you where do you see that going? Right. So, gas prices only one part of it, right? That's right. And、yeah. it's a big part of it because、yeah. you feel it every、mm-hmm. single day. Yeah, exactly.、Um, and and just to give to put things in perspective, roughly twenty five percent of the industries are directly linked to gas price. That is huge, right? Transportation, huge. exactly, right? Because、yeah. transportation is directly linked with the gas price, right? And and then that that transfers and translates into every everything that we consume.、Mm-hmm. Now think about the things that you buy that are that is not related to transportation. You know,、Almost、all all, all you <laughs> Amazon shoppers out there, <laughs> right? Exactly. You, you、yeah. contribute to the hike、uh, in in gas price,、right. and and like I said, I mean the consumption、uh, trend is still very strong.、Mm-hmm. I thought personally that after the holiday season、uh, ended in the、uh, in the end of、uh, fourth quarter two 2021, right? This will die down a little bit,、hmm. but you have to remember most of the demand was not fulfilled during the fourth quarter because of the supply chain challenge. Right. So some of the pressure got postponed. Yeah. You know, into the first first quarter of、uh-huh. 2022, which is what we're experiencing right now. 
And gas prices is just one part of it. It's a big part, right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned inflation. Everyday price, you go buy a gallon of milk, grocery, meat, vegetable, you feel it. You frequent uh, the restaurants, they, the prices uh, increase right. on the menu items. Mm-hmm. Because, again, all these costs, coupled with a very strong demand, you know, jack up the price. Right. Now, where did the demand come from? Part of it was because of the, uh, the kind of like the postponed demand. Right. Um, yeah. During the pandemic. There was a lag. Right. Really. There was a lag. Right. right. Yeah. And then um, the, the federal government, um, the Federal Reserve in particular, monetary policy, we relaxed it so much so that the money, the increase in money supply. Right. Um, you know, right. bring down the value of currency. Exactly. Now we have all these money floating around um, in the economy. Right. To, again, to put things in perspective, I'm not trying to be technical. Mm-hmm. In the uh, monetary policy world, we kind of measure the, circula- the amount of circulation of currency in the economy mm-hmm. by using, um, you know, several measures. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure whether you've heard of M1, M2, and M3. So M1 is the number that captures the most liquid asset that includes the currencies that you use okay. every day. Mm-hmm. M2 is a little broader because M2 includes M1 plus the, uh, the deposits of checking accounts. Okay. Little, still a little, little bit less liquid, still very liquid. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then M3 covers M1 and M2 plus the, you know, long-term deposit account and the balance in the mutual funds. I see. Right? Okay. So if we just look at the M2, Last year, we have 20-plus percent increase compared to the previous year. Mm. So there is a lot of money floating around the economy. Okay. And now people are arguing that maybe the economy is, is overheated, right? Which then, um, consequentially, you have the conversations of Federal Reserve trying to jack up the interest rate. Well, yeah. the interest rate that at the Federal Reserve level, it's actually federal funds rate. But that translates to the everyday interest rate that we see. So once the federal funds rate increases, mm-hmm. the everyday interest rate also increases. Again, right. not trying to be critical, <laughs> not trying technical. to be overly technical. Yeah. But having more money circulating the economy brings down the value of the currency. Because rare things exactly. value more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And now when everybody is fighting for services and goods, what do you use to consume? The money you have in hand. And when there's too much money right. in the economy, the value becomes less. So as a suppliers, you want to charge more right. because you realize that the money you collect has less value. So you want, to, you want more of it. Exactly. Right? Yes. So with respect to everyday life, that has a, you know, a tremendous impact in people's everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I have um, you know, uh, people that come to me uh, almost in a celebrating tone, you know, bragging about how much race that they have gotten last year, right? Uh-huh. And then you take a look at the inflation, <laughs> the inflation rate, rate of 7.5%, and you right. realize the 5% increase in your salary doesn't cut it. As a matter of fact, you, you actually uh, got a pay cut. Exactly, almost, yeah. <laughs> Right? So it, it has a tremendous impact in the economy, and that's just on the surface level. Yeah. And now the, the question becomes whether this is sustainable. Mm. When we have an overheating economy, when people are still trying to buy things and, um, you know, interest rates remains very low, 
if all of a sudden Federal Reserve decides to adjust the interest rate up, which, by the way, is on the horizon, because I think in March and April they're going to do something, right? Um, Would that that crush people's confidence in the economy, Hmm. right? For those of you that don't know, economists are not oracle. Right? So the way that economists judge whether the economy is in a recession or not is actually judging by the fact afterwards. Right, yeah. Right? So you don't get to see, you don't get to tell whether we are in a recession or expansion until two quarters later. Right. Because economists need to use the Historical. GDP growth rate right. for at least two consecutive quarters. If you have, a, you know, a, a, a consecutive drop in GDP growth rate for two quarters in a row, mm-hmm. then looking back, we would say, oh, you know what? Two quarters before we started having recession. Right. Right. So right now, you know, there's just a lot of conjecture in the marketplace. It's a, lot, it's a guessing game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stock market remains very volatile. And, you know, with the international conflict that takes place in Europe and in Asia, particularly Europe. Right. We don't even know where this is going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I took a long <laughs> round to answer a very simple question. I hope you would understand where I'm oh, coming no. from. Oh, no. This is one of the reasons I ask you these questions because, like, I get more than just a surface-level answer, you know, and I think that's the, that's the essence of, of why we do this. Uh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so without getting, like, um, purely from an economical uh, perspective, mm-hmm. um, basically the, the government, and this can be any government, basically putting in... Um, money into the economy with stimulus checks or with mm-hmm. just giving citizens money would basically decrease the value of the currency. Yes. Right? Like yes. from an economical perspective. And, and right. do, you, do you think that is one of the reasons why, along with like high demand and along with the lag of like because of the pandemic, like the, do you think that's one of the reasons why we are? Only we part are? of it, right? Okay. Only part of it. Because most of the stimulus programs have ended. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and people have been criticizing the monetary policy that the, particularly the U.S. government took at mm-hmm. the time when, when we were worried about the whole economy tanking during the pandemic. Right. You know, kudos to the Federal Reserve. I think they did, they did what they needed to do in, okay. a, in a very quick fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that really was the contributing factor of what we're seeing here because you, at the time during the pandemic, we kind of didn't have the choice, right? right? Monetary yeah. policy-wise, you really have you really have to maintain the economy at a certain level so that the economy doesn't crash. Because we, at the time, we didn't know when the pandemic was going to end. Yeah, and we we needed to help out the people that needed the help yes. at the time, mm-hmm. right? So right now we're we're somewhat in the post-pandemic moment, and things drastically change. Right now, people co- are coming out of pandemic. People are traveling. People are resuming their consumption uh, um, habit and more. And then um, you have all these service providers that want to sell but do not – or or manufacturers that want to sell but mm-hmm. do not have enough capacity to supply because of the supply chain challenges. Right. That actually – you know, all these factors combining together uh-huh. really jack up the general price level. That's right. right? Yeah. Now, the e- economy – the economy or people's attitude towards the economy yeah. um, is generally very interesting because you don't want to crush their confidence level. <laughs> right? And then it becomes a, a vicious circle. Yeah, it's a, like a downward it's a self-fulfilling spiral. prophecy. Exactly. Yeah. So what do we do then? So as, as a Federal Reserve, 
Now the interest rate level is is at pretty low, right? Uh -huh. Historically speaking. Yeah. Um, but what if we have another recession? Hmm. Then, with the being having the interest rate at the low level like we have right now, mm -hmm. it doesn't give the Federal Reserve enough monetary policy tool to lower it, right? right. So from the Federal Reserve perspective, it, it, it needs to increase the level somehow just in case maybe, you know, at the end of the year mm -hmm. when, they, when they spot it, you know, when they spot the economy is going down somehow, they could lower it again. But if you're already at the very low level, you can't lower it further. Right, right? yeah. So they needed that tool in their repertoire Right. Right. Yeah. To to stimulate the economy if needs be. Okay. The problem, however, is that any action taken by the Federal Reserve at this point will send a signal to the marketplace. They do not want the Federal Reserve does not want to crush the confidence level of the economy. That's true. So it's like you're you're blowing air into a balloon mm -hmm. and you see the balloon gets bigger and bigger, but you don't want it to burst. So you need to release some air from the balloon, right. but at the same time, you want to use other tool to pump in a little bit more air, and, and the, the amount of air that you pump into yeah. might be slightly less than the air that you release. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. To, to keep the economy going, to keep the confidence level right. up. A lot of people argue that the volatility, mm -hmm. um, as demonstrated in the stock market recently, yeah has already priced in the uh, anticipation of the interest rate hike of Federal Reserve. I see. Right? And that's not going away. Huh. Right? Okay. The problem, however, I see a bigger problem. That is, when especially investors see the volatility of the stock market, they want to find a safe harbor for their asset. Right. Yeah. So they wouldn't want to bank everything on the stock market. Mm -hmm. They need to identify something more stable. Okay. A lot of people say cryptocurrencies. Well, judging by the volatility of the cryptocurrencies these days, that is probably not a safe harbor. I see. And so where does the money go then? We've seen a tremendous amount of growth in the real estate market. Oh. Okay. Okay. And, and that has created a lot of trouble for particularly the young families. Right. In the past, we see um, out of 100 houses being sold, mm -hmm. probably anywhere between 35 to 40 houses that are being bought right. by the first-time homebuyers. Mm -hmm. That number right now is down to 25 to 27. Oh. Because they got competed. They got to compete out. They got yeah. crowded out. Right. right. They yeah. couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. And they, they want to jump in as soon as possible because knowing that, you know, the interest rate might, might increase. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they want to yeah. take advantage of the lower, relatively lower mortgage rate. Right. The problem, however, people when, say, when, when they talk about, um, you know, lower birth rate, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the birth rate is pretty low at the current moment. Right. But 30 years ago, it wasn't low. Exactly. So all those people that were born 30, 30 years, years ago, are, they, the they were looking at houses. Exactly, yeah. They're uh -huh. forming families. Right. And and then you uh, take a look at the pandemic, the remote work uh, flexibility yeah. that allows people to start looking at houses in the suburbs that push particularly the technology, uh, people working in the technology industry, by which, by the way, are generally uh, the population that get 
paid at a higher rate That's in true. Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, Seattle, yeah. right? And Microsoft, Amazon, and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. And they're looking at houses in the rural areas. They want to buy big houses. And right. they jack up the price because they have the, the money to they do that. Money yeah. mm-hmm. To do that. Right. The real estate market has demonstrated a tremendous amount of growth since during the pandemic. Okay. Okay. And people want to be living down in the South, right? So if you look at the number uh, last year, the top 25 markets that have experienced the most uh, uh, growth in mm-hmm. the real estate market, 24 out of the 25 cities are in the Sun Belt. Okay. In the, in the South. <laughs> I see. Right? With yeah. three cities most prominent, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. uh, Austin, Texas, and Phoenix, Arizona. I see. People uh, want good weather. <laughs> the people want good weather. They want yeah. warm weather, uh-huh. right? Um, but what does that mean? When the real estate market is up and everyday goods and services cost more, yeah. the price level is not going to come down anytime soon. Right. All right? Mm-hmm. And then you would argue, oh, you know, Maybe a little bit of increase in the Federal Reserve's monetary policy in the rate mm-hmm. will really send a, a, a you know an earthquake or a, a tsunami tidal wave through mm-hmm. all these markets. I doubt that Why because that? right now, yeah, um, I'm not sure whether you had the memory. You probably didn't. Mm-hmm. When I bought my first house, at the time the interest rate was coming down, okay. and I was very happy to lock that rate. Okay, it was five point eight seven five. Huh. Last year, that mortgage rate, when people say, oh, the, low, the rate is low, it was at around 2.8. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I thought 5.875, and that was in 2007. I thought that was low, 2008. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because of prior course. to that, mm-hmm. people were seeing like 9%, 10%. Exactly. Right? So 2.8% last year was really, really low. And now the rate is hovering around 3.5, 3.8%. Right. We're talking about the 30-year fixed mortgage rate, mm-hmm. which to me, historically, is still low. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Even with a 25-point you know, a, a uh, raise uh, uh-huh. in the rate, it's not going to kill the market knowing, you know, historically we have – now, I'm not here to make predictions. Okay. Right? <laughs> I'm just – I'm here to tell you that economy generally will find a way to absorb the impact. Right. And if you look at – do, do not judge the economic performance just by the stock market. You right. can't do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Right? When, so I'll give you an example. When Tesla was making strides in the stock market, mm-hmm. one time um, – I think it was two years ago when Tesla wasn't able to keep up the production volume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't able to manufacture that many cars. You know, so the, in terms of number of cars, it made less than 100,000 cars right. uh, in, in that year. I, maybe I was wrong in the, in the exact stat. Mm-hmm. But compared to the traditional car manufacturers like oh, Ford, that's GM, nothing. Yeah. that's nothing. Yeah. But at the time when their production volume was so little, the stock price of Tesla was so high that it justified Tesla to be the number one car manufacturer in terms of market capitalization. <laughs> right, yeah. So can, you, can, you, can we then use the stock price to judge the industry place in terms of car manufacturing for Tesla at the time? I don't believe so. Yeah, because I remember one time Ford, uh, there, was, there was some kind of uh, uh, comparison between how many cars Ford produces in a day and right. that is compared to how many cars Tesla produces in a year. But yeah. nevertheless, Tesla has been very successful. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right, but you're right about like the market cap and and how that is 
not the only way to kind of like judge the economy. You can't. Yeah. You can't. Huh. So, so, you know, in terms of all the business owners that we have served, right? you know, they oftentimes, they, they come to us and say, so wh- where is this going? I, my, general, my general advice and guidance <laughs> that I provided to them is don't, don't, don't look at the economy, right? right. You, you have to make sure that the, uh, the, the service <laughs> that you're providing, the, the goods that you're selling right. carry value, Right. You want to make sure that you establish enough entry barrier mm-hmm. so that people still want to come to you. You're helping the economy. You're helping the consumers right. justify the money that they're paying you. And this is so much so, you know, <laughs> to explain the service that we're providing. Exactly. We're yeah. justifying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, we, by the way, we never overcharge. We, we see a lot of service providers are taking advantage of the marketplace by jacking up their service rate. That is true, yes. And, but again, un- understand what, where, what your value proposition is and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Don't, rip, don't try to rip the short-term gain. And this is as as much as for the consumer as well, right? You right, you see yeah. the used car market, 30, 35% increase. Oh, yeah. It's dangerous right now. <laughs> it's dangerous right yeah. now, right? Yeah. It's dangerous right now. And and um, uh, cars, houses, everything, you know, big ticket items. Right. Expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And people often ask, is this sustainable? Hmm. Well, I will tell you, though, you need, to, you need to look at the market from a holistic perspective. Right. In terms of real estate market, I wouldn't use sustainable mm-hmm. to describe the current status. But what I'm seeing right now, again, without making prediction, and you could judge, what I'm seeing right now is the demand is so strong. Because right. all these families, they need houses. Exactly. They are being caught between a hard place and a rock. Right. If they don't buy houses now because they couldn't afford, they got priced out, right. they have to keep renting. In all, not only major cities, but also suburbs. Oh. The rents, the rental market has experienced also one of the most tremendous growth. Right. Right. We're talking about 20 to 30% increase in rental payments, depending on where you're looking. Exactly, yeah. Where, where you're looking. So what do you do? Hmm. So you downgrade. You rent a smaller place. Right. right? Problem is, that is not sustainable. Because hmm. when you want to have a family, you have more members in your family. You need a you need a proper place. I'm not talking about a big place, a proper place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a one one bedroom apartment probably wouldn't be able. You probably wouldn't be able to accommodate exactly yeah. a, a four four person family. Right? right. So what do you do? So for for markets like this, when there is very strong, clear, strong demand mm-hmm. in certain pockets of the country, I don't think that it's it's gonna. I don't think the housing market is is gonna crash. I see. There's very strong support. Right. Yeah. People have been not putting things in perspective, right? So we're looking at, for example, thirty year fixed mortgage. Let's just assume that it's four percent, mm-hmm. right? A uh, hundred basis points, a uh, one percentage point increase, four okay. percent to five percent. Mm-hmm. If you are if you are borrowing like. Uh, a million dollars. Yeah, that's a roughly seven hundred and fifty dollars increase in in your monthly payment, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But what if your rent payment also increased by that much? 
Exactly. Now, people have been criticizing me for using, a, a, you know, a drastic number, like a million-dollar <laughs> loan. Now, who's going to get a million-dollar loan? Well, you check the medium house price in the United States. Getting a million-dollar loan sometimes is necessary in a I lot see. of cities now. Right, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is, that is insane, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to put things in perspective because yeah. people, some people have been, you know, fortunate enough that, that you're, you're really distant from. Mm-hmm from what's really happening at the operational level. Exactly. But this, these are the things that are happening every single day. I drove by the gas station this morning. It just, you know, the price just jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 20, 30 cents per gallon right. from yesterday. Yeah. And again, partly because of the international conflicts that we're currently experiencing. Yeah. But also, the demand is still there. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I hope that I provide enough context. Oh, no, that was, that was very interesting, yes. Um, thank you for answering those questions. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll continue talking. Absolutely. Here at WD Strategies, we help our clients develop leads, provide integration services, and expand their revenue model. We combine our consulting experiences and technological expertise to build business solutions. If you're interested in taking your business to another level, click on the link below or visit wd-strategies.com to schedule a free consultation. All right, welcome back. Um, we were talking about inflation and uh, prices that are uh, going up and up and up. And I was wondering what advice you had uh, for business owners, uh, given the state of the economy right now? What an interesting question that you ask. Um, a lot of businesses that we serve, they're navigating. Right. They've probably never seen the inflation rate like this before. Mm-hmm. Well, the last time when we had this, it was in the 80s, right? So U.S. has not experienced this kind of inflation um, increase okay. or price level increase for years, right? for decades. Now, the advice that I give, give our clients was to really take advantage of this time, mm-hmm. not to take advantage of your customers, because no, even knowing that your customers might be willing to pay for a higher price, right. but to establish a, a more robust relationship okay. with your suppliers and consumers. Right. right. Okay. Because you are taking advantage of this opportunity to establish a really solid value proposition. You don't just want to sell anything that you want. Exactly. You could sell. You want to be able to identify certain things that you do right. very well mm-hmm. and focus on those. Too often, people take advantage of the overheated economy right. by trying to take all money on the table. Mm-hmm. But it's going to taper off. Exactly. You know, yeah. if business cycle theory predicts that it's going to come up and down, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. when it tapers off, what do you have left? You want to... Again, establish a level of authority in the segment that you operate so that when it tapers off, you still have a very solid cohort of, of followers, customers that you, you served before that trusted you. Exactly, right. right. So I will say that this is the perfect time for you to review your operational process, making sure that you have the right and fair pricing strategy going on. Mm-hmm. Establish that relationship, the goodwill with uh, the clients, right. and have that very solid list of, of clients. Right, yes. And deliver sure. what you need to deliver. Yeah. Now, there is a lot to be done in that front 
For example, mm -hmm. how do you manage the operations? Do you have enough automation going on to ensure a proper relationship and connection um, that you can establish with your customers? Right, and automation can definitely help uh, make processes much more efficient, much, much more cost-efficient, things like that. Right. And we can definitely help with that. We've been doing that for a long time now. Exactly. And, and I think that is a, a, a process that can help businesses get faster, better, at a much uh, less cost, I would say. What, what do you say? I completely agree. I mean, there's, uh, there's lead generation and lead qualification. Just uh, kind of funny because I've received so many, like, cold emails huh. from potential competition. And they do it the wrong way because they oftentimes will drop an email right. to me and say, hey, Wei-Chan, do you want to purchase leads? Huh. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm a lead generator too. Yeah, I'm in that business. You know what right? I mean? <laughs> I, I can do lead qualification better than you. Right. Yeah. And, but the co-email was was oftentimes rude because huh. they don't think about where I'm coming from, right? right they, yeah. they just want to dump the leads on me and they, they'll price the leads based on, you know, basically the number of companies, the number of contacts that it could provide right. without thinking what the clients really need. Right? It's uh, not about just the leads. It's about how do you run the leads? How do you qualify the leads? Exactly. How do you, what is the communication strategy behind the leads? Right. right? Yes. They don't think about that. Yeah. And to, see, see, because all these people, they wanted to understand, they wanted to grasp the opportunity. They want to grab the opportunity in a timely fashion so that they could make quick sale. Uh, that to me is a huge turnoff. And, and I would advise very strongly all of my clients not to do that. Because right. it's the cultivation of the relationship. Yes. When it tapers off, you're not going to have that many opportunities that come your way automatically. Exactly. So it, you it better have be a sustainable. Way. Exactly. You, you better have an organized, a systematic way right. to, to manage your client relationship. And it starts with your internal operational efficiency. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, thank you once again for answering that question. Any last remarks before we sign off? Yeah, well... We have been doing this for a long time, and uh, we enjoy the work that uh, we've been doing. Uh, we've seen a tremendous amount of growth in, in some of our clients, and we're happy to partner with you if given the opportunity. Yes. So if you have any questions, if you want to know more, if you want Absolutely. to uh, work with us, uh, you can follow the link in the description below. All right. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Goodbye.